right. Church, look at all the kids, man. Look at all the students. Fifth graders, welcome to church. Welcome back. Welcome home forever. All right, this is, this is where you'll be from now on. He stays right here. Yep, yep, yep. My boy's growing up. Church, I got a surprise for you. We're going to be in Luke today. It's coming. In the next three or four weeks, we're going to take a, a small sabbatical from Luke and uh, have a couple off weeks. I need it. You need it. We all need it. But today, we're going to start and kick off chapter 9, chapter 9 of Luke. And like always, I would like to read through it first, and then uh, I, I want to go and we'll just break it down, okay? So here we go. Read with me. Not, not necessarily out loud. Just read with me. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all the demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, not an extra shirt or, or an extra tunic as they knew it. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, leave that town. Shake the dust off of your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that none of the prophets of long, or that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. I know he's dead. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see them. Let's talk about what is going on and what has been going on and how it all connects, all right? On several different occasions through our first eight chapters, you've heard me speak about authority, all right? About authority, that God has authority over all things spiritual. He has authority over all things physical. He has authority over all things natural, all right? He speaks to the wind and to the waves and they obey him, right? He calls the demons out of individuals and commands them to go wherever he pleases. He pushes disease away and out of people. He overcomes the demonic. He has authority over all things, including sin and death. Christ has the authority of his Father God, not only because God granted it to him, but because he is him, right? So authority is the word of, 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 and Luke in his intellect, Luke in his doctor mindset, Luke in his trying to speak to those who don't necessarily have just that spiritual level of faith, wants people to know these things. And now that he has done all of these things, some of them on multiple occasions, he turns to his ragamuffin band. 
He turns to the fisherman. He turns to the tax collector. He turns to the money taker. He turns to the brothers and the sisters. And he says, now, I know what you think you can do. But the test of today will be not what you think you can do. What is it that you believe I can do? Hear it again, church. The test is not about what you can do. The test is about what you believe he can do. And here's where it goes next. The disciples believed that he could do it. They believed that if they were standing next to him and he commanded the pigs off the mountain, they would go. They believed that if he commanded the waves to come in and go out, he would go. But that's not the test either. He says, go away from me and because of me, do those things. I am granting you the power to preach the kingdom of God. I am giving you authority. I am giving you authority over the demonic and the power to heal. Now go and do. And here's how you hear that story. And those guys went and did. And church people <laughs> applaud that. Am I wrong? None of you believe that this story ends with the guys going, no, I don't think I can do it. All of you believe that. Now, let me jump somewhere and give you the invitation and the challenge now. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to you. So go. Go ye therefore, not sit ye here for. Go ye therefore and make, not attempt, do. There is no try, only do. And make disciples of all the nations. Don't just drive out demons. Don't just change legs and hearts and sickness. Change lives. And lest ye be mistaken about the goal, about the call, about the commission. Listen again to when Jesus first sent the twelve. He gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. Absolutely. You are granted power and you are granted authority. The authority of God, mind you. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And this is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you have the power to do those things, but you are not called to do those things. Those things are a portion of that which you are called to do. What you are called to do is in the next verse. He sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God. Period. That will occur through some healing. That will occur through some preaching. That will occur through some miraculous things. 
It will occur through some built relationships. It will occur when you're hanging out having dinner in these homes. It will occur through many things, but it will occur because of the authority I have granted to you. Stop. We need to move back to understand why it is, two reasons why it is, that people do not keep, that people do not make use of, that people do not work in the authority that has been given them. Why do we not bask in, see the fruit from, or work in the authority that has been given us? Okay? The first one is incredibly simple. It's incredibly simple. You believe with your lips and not with your lives. You shout from the rooftops that your God is an awesome God. But when there are requirements of you, you pick up your own tunic. You pick up your own checkbook. You pick up your own knowledge of this world. You pick up your own assurances that there might be a way that I can provide for my children, that I can put a roof over my head, that I can overcome the disease, that I can overcome the things of this world. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There has never been a time, not only that God did not have authority over the kingdom of heaven, there has never been a time that he does not have authority over the kingdom of this world. He did, however, allow one to think they did. And therein lies problem number two. We must go back to the garden what we call the Adamic nature, A-D-A-M-I-C. Adamic comes from the word Adam, which is the first man, and we are all sons and daughters of Adam, all right, by way of Abraham, right? Now hear this. You, and Tim said this the other day, we were having a great discussion in men's ministry, and Tim said, you remember the tree? Listen, you may eat, drink, play, spring about in all of the created universe that I have set before you. All. Touch it, feel it, smell it, live in it, bask under it. Except that one. All. You may have 999 bazillion. Just not that one. And Satan comes along, and he says, did he really say not one? Just one? And why not that one? I tell you what, if you'll eat from that tree, you'll be, and it's very important, you'll be what? Like God. Hear it, hear it. Church, don't miss it. You will be like God. And trust me, there are arrogant and there are pride-filled people in this world, but all y'all 
got some God complex in you. All y'all. Why? Because you have an Adamic nature. And you thirst to be like God, the God of your household, the God of your classroom, the God of your workplace, the God of your decision. One of the single greatest problems people have, really have, with our church, with our congregation, and with who we are, even if they love us, is this right here. I've had two questions in eight, nine and a half years with the covenant that God laid on our heart. Two. One was about homosexuality. Okay, one. One guy, one time. Every other question has always been about one other word in the covenant. Submission. Every other spiritual question is about submission. Women, you know it. You know it with all of your hearts. You know that the Bible says that wives must submit to their husband. And unless you are incredibly more spiritually mature than anyone I've ever met, if you're honest with yourself, it bugs the snot out of you. If you are honest with yourself, and my wife is the loudest amen in the room, but if you will ask her, I told her up front, I mean, first date. I'm a punk. I, it, is, it is what it is. But submission is our problem. And the God complex, the like God, is the problem. Now, what does this have to do with where we're going? Listen to me. Two illustrations that I think you will all understand. Do you remember Peter Pan? The original Peter Pan. The fun Disney cartoon Peter Pan. When he finally begins to, 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 he's starting to try and figure out, you know, who he was and who he is, and, and he sees his shadow, all right? And the shadow is shaped like him. The shadow acts like him. The shadow uh, does things that he is supposed to be able to do. But the shadow is what? Not him. Let's do one better. Anybody, any men, you, any of you shave this morning? Yeah. Any of you? I just want to know. Raise your hand if you shave this morning. Any of you do it without looking at something? You did? Awesome. I can't. I can't. Women, did you fix your hair today? Put some makeup on today? Anybody? None of you? Liars. All right. What did you stand in front of? A mirror. Boy, this one's going to get real specific. The mirror shows you what? The image. And it's not a shadow. I mean, I mean, when you stand in front of the mirror, you see all the things, whether you want to see them or not. There is nothing about the image in that mirror that is not a reflection of exactly what is standing in front of it. But listen to me. The reflection is not the source. Come on, thank you for getting it. Everybody else, catch up. The reflection, though spectacularly accurate, is not the source. I just, I just laid out for you why the devil is the devil.
because in his reflecting of God, he assumed that he was God. And that was the fall sin for him, and he's been crawling around using that same sin to drag mankind down every since. You can be like God. Here is the crazy, ironic, spiritual, we can't wrap our heads around it crux. Guess what Jesus is still doing? Empowering his disciples to go out with his authority. I'm about to tell you the second reason why it doesn't work. The first reason is you don't really believe that he can through you. The second one is you believe it is you. And the minute that your heart turns from glorifying the kingdom of God to satisfying the kingdom of me, the power is no longer there. I am not saying God removes it. It's not what I'm saying. That is not my right. But I'm saying as soon as you rely on yours, believe it's yours, do by your authority, you will fail. Beautiful flowers right out in front of your house. If they had the lives and the minds we had, I believe some of them would look around and go, look how beautiful we are. Look how incredible we are. Look at how we light up and color our whole world. We are wonderful. And as soon as one of them decides to break away from its roots, break away from its source, guess what? That afternoon, it's still beautiful. In fact, it may be able to convince itself that it's now making a further location beautiful. It maybe gets to the next day and goes, I'm still beautiful and I'm bringing, I'm, I'm bringing brightness to the whole world. But about three or four days in, what happens? It withers and it dies. You can do it on your own, but you will die. You can do it on your own. I'm not going to tell you if it's going to last a day, a week, a month, a year, but watch our country right now. One nation under whatever I want. That's what you're living in. And guess what? It will die. That is not politics. That is reality. And we, from the very nature of who we are, all the way to the very top of the political world, have a god Complex. Yet here is this Jesus we serve. For whatever reason. Oh, it's not whatever reason. I know the reason. I'll, I'll get back. He's still looking at his followers and saying, if you believe me, if you share my kingdom, if glory to God is the goal, 
If whatever you do in word or deed, you do all for the glory of God, there is no mountain you can't climb. There is no river you can't cross. There is nothing that you cannot do by him, through him, for him, because of him, to bring glory to his kingdom. Nothing. Nothing. And even though he knows that there might be some who walk away, that there might be some who fall, that there might be some who die, he sends them and grants them the authority anyway. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And I know, I know there are people out there, I know that there is fighting online about it, I know that people don't like the word. God is not reckless. He is absolutely Reckless, but you cannot define him the way we define things. He does things that don't make any sense. He does things that might fail, not because he can fail, but because that which he loves may fail. We're sinners saved by grace, and it is absolutely reckless for him to keep granting us that power, but he is absolutely so in love with us that he wouldn't do it any other way. Preach it, sister. That's just the sound of church, folks. That is just the sound of church. All right? Overwhelming. Yes, it is. Never-ending. Yes, it is. Reckless. Yes, it is. Now, if you run out of here and said, Craig said God's reckless. Yes and no. Let's get the definition correct. What God continues to do because he loves us is absolutely reckless. Ask Jesus. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to. Because if you walk back through all of these stories, there is a shepherd with a staff chasing down those he loves and saying, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is what God is asking us to do. And he says, take nothing for the journey. Why? Why can't they pack their lunch? Why can't they take their staff? Why can't they take their shirt? Because you need to know that I am the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I am the God who will provide shelter over you. I am the God who will meet your every need. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You lead me beside the still waters when I'm thirsty. Take nothing for I am what you need for this journey I am calling you on. And if you go somewhere and they take you in, stay there because you're not going to be there long enough to worry. Preach the word and then go to the next place and do it again. Well, what if they reject us? You will find rejection in this world. You will. I will overcome the world. But shake the dust off your feet. What does that mean? There are there, there is a couple of other places where uh, dust comes up. I've told you about one. May the dust of your rabbi cover you. That was people who were closest to Jesus. That was the people physically in line who when Jesus walked, the dust would get on their, on their tunics, on, on their robes, on the way to the next location. It meant they were close to God. And that's what a disciple is. One who is following right in the footsteps of God. But there's another strange place in the Old Testament where there's a, a, a powerful man who, who has leprosy, 
Naaman. And he is asked to do something absolutely stupid. To bathe, not once, but seven times in a dirty river. And he, he dunks and comes up and dunks and comes up and he comes back to the prophet and he is healed. And he believes, not in the prophet, he believes in the God of the prophet, right? And here was his request. You ready? You probably don't know, know this. Anybody know what he asks for? He said, may I please have enough dirt for my mule? That's his request. May I have enough dirt for my mule? There would have been two saddlebags on the mule that he rode in on. And he wanted to fill his bags with the dirt from the prophet's house. Why? Because in the Bible, all of their religious understanding dealt with, ready, geographical lines. That's why they say the God of, the God of, the God of, because when you walked into another land, you were on the land that was covered by that God. You walk outside this building, it's a different God. And he now believed in the God of Elijah, and he wanted to take the dust, the dirt, the land from the God of Elijah back to the palace of he worked for the God of, the son of the God of the other land. The king was literally named son of God. All right? And when he went back, he wanted to put the dirt in the, in the um, floor of his home so that he could kneel to the God that had saved him. Now listen to me. When they shake the dust off their feet, they're simply saying, I tried. I brought authority. I brought power. I brought compassion. I brought obedience. And you have rejected those teachings. It's not on me. I would love to believe that you believed that the dirt of your home was the dirt of my God, but you do not. Guys, it's been happening since Adam, and it will continue happening until he comes again. Not everyone, not everyone will believe. But there is never a time or a place in all of Scripture where Jesus puts an end date on your call to preach the kingdom. It is simply preach the kingdom until. Not until a certain thing happens, not until something else happens, until, all right? And he will eventually end it. Our lives will end on this earth and or he will return to us. But there is no end date on your call. There is no expiration on his authority. So the question is, do you believe? Do you believe with more than your lips? Are you exercising the authority that God has given you to go? How do you know if it's working? Kings get scared. Kings get scared. See, there's a major God complex in this story. His name is Herod. 
And when Herod thought that he was losing control because everyone was going to see a guy that wore uh, skins and ate locusts out by the river, he said, I'm going to take care of it. And when he took care of it, he took care of it all the way. He didn't just kill him. He severed his head from his body, threw it down and said, have at it. I have the authority. And Jesus said, think again. And all this stuff keeps happening. And Herod goes, what in the name of sweet Herod is going on? He said, well, there's your problem. It ain't in the name of Herod. And people came. And they said, maybe it's a prophet. Maybe it's John. Maybe it's Elijah. Maybe it's Moses. No, it's not. It is the Son of God. And Herod was confounded. I beheaded John. Who then is this? Listen to me. If we are acting under our authority, there will be no doubt about all of the powerful and mighty things that are going on around us from healing to new lives in Christ to uh, just, you can't. The Bible says I will do more than you could ever ask for or imagine. And listen, kings, presidents, nations will tremble. So what are we doing? John Piper. The essence of the fall of Adam and Eve and all of us in Adam is the supreme pleasure we have in being independent and deciding for ourselves what true and right and what is true and right and beautiful rather than finding supreme pleasure in God as the fountain of all that is right and beautiful the essence of the fall is preferring to be God rather than to enjoy God are you being God or are you enjoying Christ in you the hope of glory. Stop sitting. No more fans. It's time to get in the game. And it's time to go with authority. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Sure as if you want it. Let's pray. God, I pray, I pray, because you are not bound by space and time, that in some miraculous way you would go back over the last 20, 25 minutes and that you would, you would make certain that, that, that your spirit and your power and your authority are, are all over the words that are ringing around and echoing in this room, in the hearts of individuals, bouncing from the walls and the stained glass, re-entering our ears. I believe that because you are unbound, that it can resonate over and over again. And I thank you that it was not my words. I thank you for what you taught me as I studied. I thank you for what you spoke to me during this message, things I never knew 
things I need to go back and listen to so that I can get them. I thank you for that, Jesus. I am praying, I am begging you right now to rise up, to rise up a man, to rise up a woman, to rise up a couple, to draw forth real disciples, those who follow Jesus, real apostles, those sent by Jesus, that we may be what the Bible calls eyewitnesses to his majesty. God, I pray that Nicholasville Baptist Church, that NBC on Main becomes a pinnacle of, of, of obedience and that transformation of obedience turns into miraculous things where all glory is given to you and where we reflect your majesty, so that the world may know the glory of God. Change my heart, God, in Jesus' name. And amen.